Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, my name is Jamie Loftus. And my name is Caitlin Durante. And you're listening to the Bechdel cast. This is our podcast about women in movies. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, 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 pew. That's right. We talk about the representation of women in movies and how it's usually pitiful. Wow. Yeah. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. You're listening to our podcast. If you haven't listened before, what's wrong with you? What the freak are you doing? But you're doing good on the back end. You're joining <laughs> us now. That's good. So, uh, yes, we talk about movies in relation to their female characters. And we yeah. use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point to yeah. start that conversation. The test invented by cartoonist Alison Bechtel in the 1980s that requires a piece of media have a scene, an exchange between two women with names. Mm-hmm. They must be talking about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue. And wouldn't you know it, most movies do not pass this test. Do you want to hear me take a really tiny bite of chip? I guess. Ready? This is the ASMR part. <laughs> <laughs> That was really, that was a good, shout out to the Sun Chips. We're not sponsored by Sun Chips, but that was a hell of a crunch. (laughs) Sun Chips. Crunch on one today. So we are now on the How Stuff Works network, and we're so happy to be here. Yeah. And um, we wanted to introduce a new member of our Bechtel team. She is our new producer, Sophie Lichterman. Hi, guys. Thanks for helping us. Yay. Hooray. Sophie and Aristotle, the power team. That's right. Squad. Yes. So now you know Sophie, and you're about to know our guest for today's episode. Also, Nick's here today. And Nick is here. Aristotle is still with us, but yes. uh, he couldn't be at today's recording, so we have our pal Nick subbing in today. What else can we say? Uh, Aristotle recently got a haircut. Mm-hmm. I think it looks really nice. His birthday's coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my when this birth- gets released, it will have passed. He'll already be 26 years old for crying out loud. Wow. Wow. I leaked it. <laughs> I leaked it. Anyways. So let's also introduce our guest. She is a comedian, 
an yep. artist, an animator, yep. and yep. the host of Mary Houlihan's little podcast, Mary Houlihan. Hello. Welcome, hey. Mary. Sun chips. It's a hell of a crunch. She's an entertainer. Wow. She's good, right? <laughs> That's really good. Cool. So today we are talking about the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Real summer a movie. 2005 flick taking place in the summer. So welcome to summer, everybody. Welcome to summer, bitches. It's hot out there. Wow. The so you should stay inside and listen to our podcast and instead. And the teens are wearing pants in the summer. <laughs> wow. I think maybe of all the disbelief you have to suspend is the fact that people are wearing full denim in Mexico in the summer. Mm-hmm. That to me is, you know, the true test of friendship. That's right. <laughs> so, Mary, well, when did you first see this movie? What's your history, your mm. relationship with the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants franchise? Well, it came out in 2005, so I wasn't born yet. <laughs> um, JK, I don't think I saw it in a theater, but I think I rented it. Don't remember if I watched it alone or with friends. Either. So maybe possible. you had a sisterhood there, maybe not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also read the book. So you have some exposure to it prior to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Jamie, what about you? I loved this movie when it came <laughs> out. I loved the books. I went with. My two cousins and the one friend we made between the three of us who was not directly related to us, shout out Lindsay Tangway, our one friend. (laughs) Um, So that was like our group of four. And uh, we went to see this movie. We figured out who was who. It was all very exciting. Um, Yeah, I really loved this book series first. And then, I mean, 2005... You've got it all. You've got America Ferreira coming mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. from her Disney Channel original movie that I really liked. Gotta kick it up. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Uh, you got Rory Gilmore, the world's worst actress in the thing. Uh, you got Joan of Arcadia, and you've got Blake Lively, who's not even famous yet. Uh-uh. It's very exciting. It's just I saw this movie in theaters. We watched it at sleepovers afterwards. I read all the books. Love it. Nice. Yes. Very good. I had read the books when I was in high school, and I would say I was a little too old for them at the time, Mm -hmm. because I remember reading the part where Blake Lively's character, Bridget, it's heavily implied that she loses her virginity, but it is not explicitly stated at all. And I was just like, why aren't they just talking about it? They should just come out and say it. And, the, and I was like, right. I was too yeah. old and too cold to like be reading literature that was like beating around the bush in terms mm-hmm. of talking about sex. I was like, I'm too cool for this. I want stuff that talks about sex directly. Timing is for everything sure. with like a series like this where when you come in, because when I, I, when I read these books, I would have been in like fifth grade or something Mm -hmm. where I would have believed anything this book told me about what teenage girls did (laughs) because I was like oh yeah sure what we were talking about this in the car on the way over how I have this very clear memory of the second installment in the book series where there's like the Blake Lively character B Um, in the second movie she like gains 10 pounds during the summer and it's like made out to be like and this is the worst thing that ever happened to her and she had to jog because and I just like that specific passage stuck with me so like I don't know yeah when you read books like this when you are a child whoo I still think about that a couple times a year. (laughs) The fictional character, they gained 10 pounds once. 
Yeah, it's almost as if media for young people has a responsibility to, you know, not send out damaging, harmful messages. Yeah. But it still does all the time. Um, I So I had read the books and I was not necessarily impressed with them, even though I read all three, I'm pretty sure. And then I was we like, I'm not going to see the movie. Also, at this time, I was reading a series of books called Angus thongs and full Those frontal are snogging Those are really good. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's a good series. I hesitate to return to them because what if it's not? But I loved. No, them. it's good. I was, good. <laughs> I, I was also way too old for those when I read those, and I was similarly not impressed. But um, I, I liked that it was like, ha ha ha, snogging. Snogging. Those were funny. <laughs> Come on, didn't you think they were funny? I was, I was like eighteen, so no. Kayla, <laughs> <laughs> what were you reading? I was way too cool. <laughs> My yeah, I mean it's. One of those, it is like one of those series that I feel like girls, like you, you just had to read them for some reason. Like I read all the Twilight books. I feel nothing for that franchise in particular, mm-hmm. but I read them all because I felt, same with Harry Potter. My mom tried to get, I, we've discussed this. My Fifty mom Shades? tried to give me her crusty ass copy of Fifty Shades. I'm like, Whoa. I'm not, I'm not reading a book covered in my mom's cum. I'm simply not. <laughs> But, you know, and that was when I found I had aged out of having to read books just because I felt like I had to. Got it. And now now it sounds like, and I haven't read a book since. (laughs) (laughs) Books are for losers. And uh, I think that's all You're into hacking now. You're into just... Yeah. hacking and... yeah i'm i'm spending a lot of time in the mainframe so there's other, there's other ways to get data other than uh, analog books <laughs> she's um, a code girl <laughs> okay so anyway the sister of the traveling pants shall i do the recap mm-hmm. yes so this movie centers around four lifelong friends bridget lena carmen and tibby and they have been friends like since before they were born because their mothers all met in a aerobics class while they were all freaking pregnant as hell. But and never similar became due dates. Similar right. due dates yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess they just like met as babies all in the delivery room, yeah. question mark, and then have been <laughs> friends ever since. I'm not really sure. But anyway, so they're, they're now 16. They are best friends. And it is the summer. And this is the first summer that they're spending apart because uh, Lena is going off to Greece to visit her grandparents. Bridget is going off to soccer camp in Mexico. Carmen is going to South Carolina to visit her dad. Who is from the West Wing and it's distracting. <laughs> <laughs> also the dad in Get Out. Oh, yeah. yeah also, he looks old. Eric in from Billy Madison. That's right. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. See, uh, he tries to shoot Billy. What a career this man has had. <laughs> peak peak 2005, He's Bradley cool. Whitford. Mm-hmm. Shouts out, Brad. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> okay, and then so Tibby is um, staying in Bethesda, Maryland, um, where they're all from and they were, oh, they all live. And she is working at, is it Wallman's? Which Wallman's. is basically a Walmart mm. knockoff. These are their summer plans. And like the day before they all part ways, they are at a thrift store and they find this pair of jeans that somehow mysteriously fits them all perfectly, even though they have different heights and weights and body shapes. And they're like, wow, these are a magical pair of pants. I would argue that there's exactly two body shapes between the four of them, which I realized for the first time watching this movie. I'm like, oh my god, there's only two, like, they're, like, Alexis Bledel and Amber Tamlin and Blake Lively uh, have basically the same body. Yeah, they're all skinny white girls. And it's like, this is actually, 
not that amazing. Anyways. Right. <laughs> but no, it's, it's But not. Blake is so we'll tall. She's so tall. That's true. How does Blake not have a camel toe in these pants? She's so tall. Like, what? <laughs> Anyways, sorry. So yeah, so they this pair of pants magically fits them all, and they decide... They're like, oh, my God, they're these magic pants. We should share them throughout the summer, send them to each other in our respective places, and it'll it'll help keep us together. And then we'll write letters, and they, like, make this whole manifesto. And it's a gorgeous framing device, and I love it. It works. I love it. I, I love that. I, I love the rule where you can't wash it. That's disgusting. <laughs> You're wearing full-length denim in Mexico in August, and you are not allowed to wash it. Yeah, that only you can take them off. Looking at you, slutty one. That's what they say. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Blake Lively was like, "Who me?" I was She's like, like "Why are you up. okay with this? <laughs> Why are you okay with That's this?" That's like her thing. <laughs> yeah. She's the Samantha of the bunch. Yeah, we've got totally a Miranda. Is. We've got a Samantha. Whoever the other characters are, we've got some of those too. And then I guess America Ferrera is our Carrie because Carrie. she's like mm-hmm. the narrator. She's the writer. Ooh. Wow, yeah, I didn't even really think Miranda of that. Miranda is, is um, Tibby. Tibby, Obviously. Yep. And, and then Lena would be Charlotte. That totally does track. It tracks so hard. Wow. Wow. Wild. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> so, so Lena's in Greece. She meets a cute boy who is arguably Kostos. too old for her Kostos. Uh, named Costos. He lives on a boat. I don't know if he lives on a boat, but he definitely spends a lot of time on a boat. Um, So she and him start to feel feelings for each other, but their families are feuding. Um, So, like, her grandma's trying to keep them apart. Meanwhile, in the soccer camp in Mexico, Bridget is seeing this cute boy who's a coach, but there's like a strict no dating coaches policy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. That should be the rule. Did they ever say how old this character is? 40. <laughs> he's he's 21. 21. And she's 17. 16. Six, she says she's six? 17. Oh, she says. So she, she might be lying. Oh, oh, that's Because women be lying all the time. Women be so <laughs> true. You can't trust them. Or maybe, or I wouldn't be shocked if the people making this movie were like, oh, what are the consent rules? And we've got to make her. She was born in September. Like they. Oh, was it different in the book? I feel like I remember it being different in the book, but maybe I'm just thinking that since that's like a more scandalous Wait, story. But wouldn't that make no sense that she would be older than them? Because weren't they all born? born within like, a week of each other yeah so why would she so be 17 everyone else i they think say they they're 16 at the beginning um, yeah so um, unclear what that's all about Blake. but she might be 16 anyway so she she starts Ugh, crushing on this hot coach eric all bangs at her <laughs> all bangs Bl- blonde bangs. no personality mm-hmm that's that story. Uh, then Carmen is arriving in South Carolina with her dad. And then, surprise, he has a new family. Surprise, it's Josh Lyman from the West Wing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's marrying a white bitch. <laughs> a fucking white kid. That's such a weird scene where America Ferreira is like, Dad, blah, blah, blah. And they're getting along great. And then he's just like, sorry for burying the lead. Meet my white family. I was like, oh, you can't just do. Although it did remind me a little bit. I wonder if it reminded you, too, of uh, The Parent Trap. Oh. When Dennis Quaid's like, by the way, here's Meredith. And it's like, you can't just do this to a kid. It's not fair. True. Anyways. Uh, So she's dealing with that. And then finally, Tibby is making a documentary. Oh, more like a sockumentary. A sockumentary. <laughs> <laughs> and she meets this 12-year-old girl named Bailey, 
who takes an interest in helping her with this documentary, even though they kind of get off to a, a rough start mm-hmm. because they're both very stubborn. It's yeah, a cancer kid narrative. I find it very <laughs> frustrating. Yes, she. it's revealed that she has leukemia and is sick. The second she, it's revealed that she has leukemia, the Bailey character immediately only begins speaking in like Dove candy bar phrases. <laughs> like the se- she's an interesting dynamic character. And then they have that exchange where it's, well, I mean, we'll get into it, but like, oh God, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate narratives like this. They're so lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Not great. So yeah, with each of these stories, Bridget uh, ends up sleeping with this guy who she's been like very aggressively pursuing his <laughs> soccer coach. And then she sinks into a depression. Um, well, because which... we didn't say her, her mother committed suicide, yeah. which we find out mm-hmm. right. at the beginning of the movie. Yes. Um, so she's dealing with some grief issues, possibly some mental health issues uh, that I would argue do not get explored very um, responsibly in this movie. Yeah. Um, then Lena finally confronts her family about like, don't try to keep me away from this boy. I love him and he's helping me figure out that I can feel love and have feelings. And also the conflict was over like fish from 20 years ago. So they're all kind of like, ah, yeah, I guess it's fine. <laughs> right. Um, and then Carmen confronts her dad and is like, she's like, I'm really angry at you because you left me when I was 10 and traded me in for a better family or a different family that it seems like you think is better and she confronts him about it mm-hmm. and then for reasons that i don't fully understand goes to his wedding well the the other three girls <laughs> yeah. say that she would be sad if she didn't go right um and then tibby and bailey are like getting closer and does bailey die at the end she does yeah oh they don't explicitly i don't think that they explicitly say it but it's implied and then you see Tibby and Brian McBrian, who was my crush from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian McBrian, the gamer with a hat. Um, Very much your type. Yeah, my my little hacking queen who ha- <laughs> hangs out at a gas station all day. Yeah, so she she does die. In the books, she for sure dies. Okay. I don't think that they stayed it. I don't. I didn't think so. That's why I wasn't sure. It's up to you. Well, you mm-hmm. see how she that child is lit in the last scene. Yeah. God's coming for her. <laughs> and fast. It's so overblown. Where they have like purple eyeshadow under her eyes. And mm-hmm. the, the, she's like lit by the moon. And it's like, okay, can we? I'm done. I'm done with this. <laughs> I was enjoying this character, but you had to kill it so Amber Tamblyn could learn a lesson. Right, which is, um, I guess, that it's okay to be... I don't even know what the lesson is, but uh, (laughs) anyway. It's okay to be dead. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that all of our listeners of the Bechdel cast recognize that it's okay to be... Nothing to be ashamed of. (laughs) If you're dead, that's That's chill. You can still enjoy our podcast. You can still rock it. Listen, you can still sign up for our Patreon, even if you're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we should perhaps take a quick break. What do you say? Yeah, let's take a break. All right. Keep your pants on. We'll be right <laughs> back. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. 
I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome back! We're back! I had to go change my traveling pants. Still, I had to write a journal entry on a on my pants and then give it to Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's how you be friends with girls. <laughs> yeah. Positive female friendship. That's kind of one of the first things I wanted to mention is that I like that this movie is about sisterhood and about female friendship. Yeah. Especially for like this age group. But we don't actually get to see them be friends on screen that much. Right. Beginning so, and the end. I mean, that's the way the story is structured. So it'd right. be weird if it wasn't like that. But... It's just like, okay, well, if you're going to make a movie about, like, female friendship, why not have it be about female friendship where we see them being friends? But it crosses. I don't know. I like how it, I I mean, that's inherent to the structure of the story. So I'm fine with that. I I was pleasantly surprised. I forgot that they came together at the end in such a meaningful way Mm -hmm. Um, because it sort of seemed like the kind of thing where it could have just been like, and now they're home and they're going back to school. Yeah, I don't know. It, something I liked about it was that, like, this story does a pretty good job of even when you're in one of the girls' like areas of like Lena will still be talking about her friends and how much she loves them while mm-hmm. she's in Greece, and Tibby's talking to her child whose parents we never see either about her friend. Like everyone is like remembering their friends and they're writing each other letters, and it's like it's yeah, that's true. Nice. It, it's nice. I like when they say when America Ferreira's writer character is like I forget how she qual she like qualifies all of them, but she's like Tibby the rebel. Uh, like, <laughs> oh, I wrote these down. If you want to hear, ooh. yes, please. Um, Bridget is well. First, she's like it's almost like the four of us form one complete person, and it's like shouldn't you all be one complete person? <laughs> no, you're sixteen. <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> So Bridget is wild and unstoppable. Mm. Lena is... <laughs> that's a fun way of saying, we think she's slutty because that's what they keep saying. Mm-hmm. And anyways. Uh, Lena is shy and beautiful. Tibby is the rebel. And she's Carmen suck. is the writer. Although, do we see Carmen write at all? I think that, she, that this it's supposed to be her writing. Okay, her telling like of the, the story. I yeah. see. Okay. Got much, it. much like Sex in the City. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do enjoy that it is a story about female friendship, because I think in a lot of movies, especially about girls of this age, it's something like Mean Girls or Heathers or different other ones that we've done on the podcast and just other movies in general, where it's a lot of like antagonistic feelings towards other girls, like yeah. girl on girl hate and pettiness and things like that. So at the very least, I enjoy that this is a movie about, like, pure female friendship. And in the beginning, they say, like, love your sisters and love yourself. Mm. I'm just like, oh, that's a nice message for, mm-hmm. you know, the tween girls who are probably reading this and watching this. Yeah, and they all are, like, very different and, like, accepting of the 
that. I think with the exception of occasionally how they treat Blake Lively, mm-hmm. um, they're all very accepting of each other and they're encouraging each other to feel good about their bodies and about themselves. And like there's a few scenes where America Ferrera's character is like being down on her body because she is the only person in this group who has a different body shape, no matter how many times the movie tells you otherwise. Right. <laughs> But that said, like when her character expresses insecurity, which is realistic for a 16 year old girl, they are like her friends are super supportive and like, what you know, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And they lift each other up. It's very nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think by and large, it's a very positive friendship that you don't see on screen a lot. I would agree. (gasps) However, if I may introduce some criticism into the (gasps) conversation. Caitlin's lighting the pants on fire. I cannot believe this. <laughs> She's literally lighting the pants on Wait, fire. <laughs> so the the author of this book, Anne Brachares, is that how you say her name? I don't know. Because it looks like Anne Bra Shares. So I wonder <laughs> if she was like, hey, my last name looks like Bra Shares. What if I write a book That's about sharing. girls who share a bra. No, that's too weird. What if they share a pair of pants, though? That's better. Okay, I'll write this book about sharing pants. That's the kind of idea you'd have if you drank a tank of, like, (laughs) boxed wine. And you're like, you know it would be crazy (laughs) if teenagers just, like, shared pants and then woke up and checked her notes out the next day and was like, no, there's something Mm. there. (laughs) There's something there. Yeah, there's three books worth of something there. Uh, so that was just a, a curiosity that I had. I don't know how this story originated, but I like to think that that's what it was. Can we go through the rules? Because I, I if listeners, if you're listening, you may not remember the rules of the pants. Mm. Some mm. rules make sense. Others, I think there's some stuff to unpack there. I feel like they also skipped over a lot of them because they're like, and here's then, one, two, three, four, and then suddenly seven. Seven. Yeah, they do <laughs> skip from four to seven. That bothers me. Yeah. They also break into a yoga studio, which is fun um also their moms aren't friends that's confusing um okay we the sisterhood hereby instate the following rules to govern the use of the traveling pants number one you must never wash the pants hate this rule that's rule number one rule number one that's not the first one they mentioned though this is the book okay canonically okay got it number two you must never double cuff the pants it's tacky Uh, yuck there will never be a time when this will not be tacky hard stance 2005 my pants are double cuffed right fucking now. Oh Unbelievable. There's, and I look great. I don't look tacky at all. <laughs> oh, oh, here's a fun one. Oh, they, yeah, they do. They skip over. I would argue maybe they skip over the ones that are stupid. Three, you must <laughs> never say the word fat while wearing the pants. But I guess the way it's spelled in the book is P-H-A-T. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Why? Uh, you must also never think to yourself, I am fat while wearing the pants. They do say that in the movie. Yes. You must never let a boy take off the pants, although you may take them off yourself in his presence. Do they say that in the movie? They don't. Okay. I like that. I'm okay with the way it's written in the book. Yeah, that... uh, But they they use it as a way to call... Slut shame Bridget, basically. Yeah, and she's like, tee-hee. In the movie, it's Lena, who is our, you know, Charlotte Prude character. And she's like, here's this rule. Only you can take off your own pants. And then she glares at Bridget. And then she's just like, what? Me? Me? I'm boy crazy. Right. Um, so that seemed a little slut shamey, but. 
And then the, the rest of them are, are kind of logistical. You have to write letters. You have to write on the pants. You, you can't wear the pants with a tucked-in shirt and belt. Pants equal love. Love your pals. Love yourself. Mm. Wow. And then they, toward the end of the movie, invoke a, a final rule that no matter the schedule, the pants have to go to the girl in need if there's like a pants emergency. Yes, there's mm. a pants emergency because America Ferrera has to accept her dad's new white family right now. So get those <laughs> pants on, girl. Accept your white family or the movie can't end. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, that brings me to one of the, the criticisms I have about this narrative, which is that three of the four stories are rooted in one of the girls' relationship to a man. It's um, either Bridget chasing after the soccer coach that she has a crush on, Lena and her budding relationship with Costos, Costos. or Carmen and her relationship with her father. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. That is an easy way to go for a story about teen girls. I think that that's a really good point, though, where, like... I do feel that all four of these characters are fully realized characters for the most part, but the fact that the core, like we see them have this really positive relationship and then they're separated and it's mostly like the conflict is with a man, Mm -hmm. Uh, with the exception of Tibby and I have like a separate issue with her Mm-hmm. narrative should we just take it like gal by gal yeah let's do it sure gal- oh before we start though like have to ask who's your faves oh ladies who's God. your fave well i would say i identify most closely with tibby i'm a tibby myself mm-hmm. yeah you know i'm just like a rebel and i like say ass sometimes i like swear i, like to I don't suck. like babies i don't like anyone I I wonder did everyone want to be Tibby because I also wanted to be Tibby Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of friction within my group of who would be Tibby because I think we all wanted to be her she's the cool one she's the cool one she has like the best hair yeah I I wanted to be Tibby but in reality I don't know who I am I don't Mm. I don't know well I also with Bridget um I was a soccer player at the time and I'm still a soccer player huge brag yes um so I was like there you know there's parts of all of them that I enjoy I I also I would say my favorite character is actually probably Carmen she's my fave but I would say for me personally I feel like I'm mostly a Tibby now is Tibby a Slytherin and also which Ninja Turtle is she so there's like a lot of... <laughs> we can really get into it. Yeah. We can re- also, and how does this fit into the universe of book club? Oh, yes, my God. Good, very good question, That's a whole Jamie. other thing. Mm-hmm. I Well, we figured out who we are in book club, and that's a big relief. <laughs> sure. I, I was Diane. Uh, Caitlin, who are you? I don't remember. Oh, I forget. We were so drunk at that movie. Um, <laughs> I forget. Well, I was, I was Diane. You were Diane I fucked the pilot. Yeah. That's all I know. I really loved that movie. It was not good. It was very bad. <laughs> anyway, okay, so sh- who should we start with? Let's start with the most boring one. Let's start with Lena. Okay. Mm. She's the most boring one. Her storyline is largely her um, relationship with Costos and her relationship with her grandparents, specifically her grandmother. So her grandmother finds out that she's been seeing this boy. Their families have been feuding for decades. In this weird, like, West Side Story-y, like, 
something about fish a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then Costas is like, all I know is that I'm shirtless and <laughs> you're pretty. And so who cares about fish? And everyone's like, yes? I yeah. don't know. There's a few times where that character kind of like skeezes me out. Because he does keep showing up. Even after she's like, no, leave me alone, kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. And he does, I don't know. I mean, she rejects him twice. Right. First when they meet. and Okay, so he has to save her, number one. They meet because she falls into the water because she's like staring at him. Because she's like, oh, he cute. She and then, like Hillary duffs directly into a body of water. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. then the genes that are supposed to be so magical get caught on this like hook. And she's mm-hmm. like trapped underwater. So he has to come and save her. And then she's like, oh, my God, thank he, you for saving he, like, my aerials, life. Yeah. She's, like, sitting on his boat. And then he's like, well, should we go dancing later? And she's like, no, I have to go. And then she runs away. And he's like, but what? And she's like, no. He also comes in hot by being like, you know, I live on this boat. It's like, this is not a brag. You should not be telling her I this. I don't think he lives on the boat. <laughs> Doesn't he live on a boat? I no. don't. No, I don't think so. I was like years thinking like, you lived on that twenty. It's like, it like twenty <laughs> square feet. Like a pontoon. <laughs> I thought he was a boat person. This is not the movie Adrift, but um, she on a boat. The but movie. speaking of boats, the most important thing about this storyline is that. Much like Titanic, Lena draws Costas like one of her Greek boys. Ooh, she does. Ooh, yeah, yeah, and she and she even does the same thing where she's like, "Stop, stay still," and he's like, "No," and she's like, "He, he, he I like him." Yeah, he's just an object. There's, it's there is, not cool. There is one point where Lena is like having her her arc is like almost interesting at certain points where she like is like i feel so guilty because my friends have actual problems i don't actually have a problem but i still feel so like closed off and sad which is like a very teenagery thing i was like okay cool i'm on board for this where's this going i still have those feelings right now right (laughs) it's like a normal thing but but then it's like she gets so stressed out that she starts taking off her clothes and is about to jump into the and then costa's why is, is he right there? there? Why is he behind the stairs? Because he's following her all the time. He's behind the stairs, and then he's like, "I'll also launch myself into the waves." Right, and then they and then they hook up, they kiss. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is after several times of her. So after she finds out that their families are feuding, she goes to return his shirt, but she's like, "No, I can't. We can't talk." And blah blah blah. And he's like, "But it's a beautiful day." And she's like, "No, get away from me." So she rejects him a number of times, but it. But then she. She does pursue him because she goes to his fish market and hangs out. And then she draws him like one of her Greek boys. And then, much like in Titanic, where Billy Zane finds the drawing later on, her uh, Lena's grandmother finds the drawing and she's like, what is this all about? And she's like, I love him. Oh, yeah. This isn't nothing. (laughs) (laughs) She has like a shirtless picture of... It's weird to me that they do such like a weird destination-y move that ultimately it's like this could this storyline could have been way more about like Lena getting to know her family and Lena getting to know her culture a little bit. Right. Would have been interesting. And it seems like that's the direction it's going to go to since they go through the trouble of flying Alexis Bledel to Greece. <laughs> but then it's sort of like everything else that happens could have arguably happened almost anywhere. Yeah. So it's weird. Well, the the worst part about this storyline to me is that he gets her to realize 
because right. this is what she says uh that she can feel she can feel feelings and she can let love in which like i suppose it would take a potential romantic partner to help you realize that but i don't know that's just become a trope where it's like closed off girl who doesn't know how to do emotions a boy comes around and teaches her how to do it but right. and also it doesn't make sense for like your first teen relationship that's more like a you've been burned before so you are closed off in yeah, a self-preserving way and i think this is maybe one of perhaps the first time i've ever said this in the like 80 something episodes we've done but there are a few underwritten male characters in this story that mm, make it a no. little like I, <laughs> that never happens like the costos character i don't quite know where he's coming from and then the same goes for eric the soccer coach where it's like you don't really know that much about them you're like i don't necessarily understand why what he's handsome right and and for bridget she never goes beyond she's not like i love him she just has like a very physical attraction to him Um, well they're the only young people in town right just the two of them. Oh, in, in Greece? Yeah. In Greece. They're the right. only young people in Who like, are they going to hang Greece? out? With? Right. I th- <laughs> That's true. I think that her realizing that she loved him was a bit of a jump. And this is something we see in mm. a lot of movies where two characters fall in love, but we don't necessarily understand why they love each other or what is compatible about them right. and their personalities, because at least one of them is super underdeveloped. Usually it's the woman who's super underdeveloped and we don't yeah. understand why the man loves her. But in this mm-hmm. case, I would argue that it's... It is Costas. Costa. Yeah. One last thing about um, Lena's character. To me, the worst part of this storyline is mm-hmm. that she has this big reconciliation where she confronts her family for being like, don't tell me who I can and can't love. Like, I'm going to make my own choices and I can feel my this own feelings. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but she directs this to her grandfather who has hardly said a word in the entire movie and who she's he had spits, almost no interactions he's, with he spit at custos Ugh, who cares she's Me. had almost all of her Custos interactions with her grandmother like mm. all of her conversations with her family has have basically been between Lena and her grandmother. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make any sense to me why she addresses... It's almost like she's seeking a man... Like, her grandfather's, a man's approval. Of the, oh, okay. Rather than... Because she's had so many of these conversations with her grandma up till now, mm-hmm. why wouldn't she then try to reconcile the situation with her instead of her grandpa who she has barely spoken to that's a good point i hadn't thought of that yeah that really that bugged me a lot and i was like why is she talking to him we've hardly seen him on screen right why wouldn't she direct this toward her grandmother so just it felt like another excuse to like let's have women not interacting (laughs) but they interact so much that it is weird that they're not the ones to resolve that yeah i don't know so that struck Perhaps me as a cultural weird. thing, but it's not explained. True. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about Carmen? Let's talk about Woo! Carmen. Carmen rules. I love Carmen. Yes. Well, her whole thing, as we've said, is that she's spending the summer with her dad. Uh, she says very early into their hang that she hasn't spent more than four days with him consecutively since she was 10. So she's really excited to like hang out with him, mm-hmm. get to know him better over the summer. And he's like, surprise, I have a new family. I'm getting married to this lady. Here are my two white teenagers that I have now. Uh, it's also alluded to that he used to be like super like punk rock, like I can't be tied down. I will, I'll never mm. live in a house. <laughs> <laughs> but it's implied that he's like sold out 
mm-hmm. all of like who he used to be. Right. He says grace now, but they couldn't even get him to go to church before yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Right. And it's like, and that is like implied as being important because her mom is religious. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I thought this was like a, an interesting storyline that I have like a, a few little problems with, but I don't know. I like that Carmen is as like, it felt kind of realistic to me that of the stuff she put up with and then the points where she was like, okay, I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah. Like she's trying to be polite. She's trying to be more respectful towards her dad's new life than he's ever been towards her life. Mm -hmm. And which I think is a very uh, female experience. Right. But then also like hits the line when at that dress fitting scene. Yes. um, That I really liked. I really liked that scene. I like that she confronts all the people who are basically acting as though she's not there, that she's not a real person, or that she's The dialogue in that scene is a bit much. No one would ever talk that way at a dress shop. Like, hope we have enough fabric. Like, okay, (laughs) calm down. You know, I understand what what they're trying to say. Right. And she is, aside from her mom, the only other... She, like, Carmen is the one woman of color in the movie. Yeah. And Maria, the housekeeper, which Oof. I'll get into that in a second. But, um... Yeah, that went kind of ultimately unexplored. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that scene... Okay, let's just talk about that scene. So, there's a moment where Lydia, who is Carmen's dad's new wife, or the the lady that she, he's going to marry, mm-hmm. and she's like, get out of bed, our housekeeper has to wash the sheets but like she doesn't speak any english so like i don't really know we even watch you ones and carmen who we've seen speaking spanish i just thought there was going to be a scene between her mm. and maria where like they speak in spanish or like she i wonder helps if them communicate. that ended up being like cut out of the movie or something because it just seems like that's such a specific scene to set up that is never resolved mm. like, right i feel like that helps us understand like even more so like okay Carmen's getting really fed up she like clearly her dad's new family just like does not understand not white people and not wealthy people and Mm -hmm. like it advances her character in that way but it's like yeah why would you not have a scene with I forget if that happens in the book I feel like it would have to right like yeah because otherwise then Maria never like speaks or maybe it's so that Carmen can see that this white family who has a woman of color as like the help I don't know maybe it's to establish that and for Carmen to say like oh here's how this family values people of color and women of color like they're your help basically right and that fits into the narrative of Carmen saying literally a couple different times that she feels like she's being erased yeah. by mm-hmm. her dad and by his family and that she's not being acknowledged or seen at all. But I do agree. Like, I think that that scene, I'm glad that that scene happens, but I wish that there was a more concrete, like, it just seemed right. like there was right. more there that they didn't, that for whatever reason, we don't see in the movie. Right. I forget. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's something does happen in the book, but I don't specifically yeah i don't remember remember at all but uh yeah carmen carmen and her mom have a couple different scenes together we don't really see the other girls interact with their parents that deep and uh the scenes between carmen and her mom are mostly very nice i think so too too. and i really like carmen confronting her dad at the end Mm -hmm. like that's a hugely emotional beat in the movie and i like that she stands up for herself she Mm -hmm. questions what her dad has been doing this whole time and like why he's made the choices that she has so i like that she has the agent 
Lindsay mm-hmm. to confront him about that. Cool. What I don't like is that... Wait, can I say something I like really quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this shot of Bradley Whitford whipping his head around at his own wedding to make <laughs> eye contact with his daughter. It is such an unnecessary shot, but you've got to see it. Whitford's hair is flying. He's in a tux. He's about to deliver a monologue. And it's like, this guy's done Steppenwolf. You know? Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so that wedding, first of all, Carmen says over and over again that she does not want to go to this wedding. And it makes sense because she's still very angry at her dad and he has not really done anything he has reached to out. apologize, yeah, to try to reconcile in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. But whenever the four girls regroup at the end of the summer, they're like, we're going to take you to your dad's wedding. And she's like, I don't want to go to that. And they're like, no, but you're going to, you want to go. You have to. So. Right. I it really annoyed me and maybe this is just some like personal baggage that I'm bringing to the table but like bring it <laughs> that her friends were like hey you know how you're really really mad at your dad uh we're going to make you go see him anyway and in the fact that she keeps protesting and even mm-hmm. when they're in the car she's like can we turn around like I don't want to go yeah. to this mm-hmm. When they're at, like, the rest stop, like, when she's putting the jeans on, she's like, can we not do this? I don't want to go. And the fact that she keeps expressing, this is not something I want. This is not really something I'm ready for. I'm still angry at my dad. And they're just like, no, 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 go do it because you have – he's your daddy. You Mm. have to love your daddy. And the fact that she just kept protesting and they kind of forced her into it really upset me. And it also – means that this movie ends in a wedding and it makes no fucking sense for a movie like this to end in a wedding (laughs) i feel like i don't remember how the book ends and maybe it ends in a wedding also but either way i feel like whoever was responsible for this they're like we have a girl movie this is a movie for girls it's a movie by girls but they're not old enough to get married themselves but 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 we still we have to a movie like this has to end in a wedding well they need a big finish they can't just be like Okay, we're all home again. Let's go to school now. Right, yeah. It's like, there's, there's got to be a wedding. So. I think there's a good version of this movie that ends with them back at the yoga studio. Yeah, I would have liked that way better. Mm. Yeah. And if you need some big event, I don't know, maybe like Bridget has a big soccer game or like, I don't know, something else. But like the fact that this movie ends in a wedding when it doesn't really make any sense and is very unnecessary, mm-hmm. especially because the person whose wedding it is has wronged Carmen for her pretty much entire life and still hasn't really apologized for it or acknowledged that he has done anything wrong. The popular male fallacy Mm. of just apologize one time and it's all good. (laughs) Right. Years of damage can be undone by just being like, she'll figure it out. (laughs) Sorry. My B. Yeah. So that really (laughs) bothered me about this storyline where Carmen, like, She's strong enough to stand up to, like, the people in the dress shop. She is challenging her dad in different ways in the family by, like, just speaking Spanish. And they're like, oh, God, Spanish? We we don't speak that in this household. (laughs) And at the end, when she has the phone call with her dad, where she very clearly outlines all the feelings that she has, why she's angry with him, and it's all very valid. And then she still is like, yeah, okay fine I'll go to this wedding and he he just he'll just hug me and say I'm sorry and then it's fine I just I feel like that really sold her out I feel you I think that yeah yeah. it'd been cool if she didn't go her friends just respected her yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) if if she was like I don't want to go I'm still really angry at my dad and I'm not ready for this 
more supportive friends would have been like, okay, we accept that you're not ready and we totally understand mm-hmm. you and let's just all go to a movie instead. Yeah. How epic would that be? Like a big scene where they're like super close to the wedding, like they've driven all the way and then she's like, you know what? I don't think I can. And then they're like, okay. And then they do something else. Ooh. That would be, I see, I would have even liked cool. that where they were like, oh, we shouldn't have made you go here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's go see a, a movie. movie. And then they go and they see Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and then yeah. the movie just starts over. <laughs> I love it. Or they see an adaptation of the video game that Brian McBrien was playing, The Dragon Slayer. Oh, which would Brian have been a McBrien. great movie because it would have been about a guy who has to save a woman from a dragon. That's that would have true. been a huge feminist masterpiece. Perfect. I think it'd be cool more if they were just like talking about like, well, what movie should we see? Blah blah. And then like the dialogue sort of like starts, the volume starts to go down, and then it's a crane shot, and so then the camera's like zooming away, and, <laughs> and then the music comes in. Feel the rain on your skin. Oh and yeah. Then- <laughs> was it? Of course, and then the Natasha Bedingfield. <laughs> Great. Oh, the ending with that. That would have been a, a jarring and beautiful moment in mute cinema. Well, uh, let's take a quick little breaky break, and then we'll come back and dish on more of the gals. <laughs> Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Hi. 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 Um, What should we talk about next? Well, let's get into Tibby's story. Yes. A little bit. She's home for the summer she's the art girl her hair is not the color that it started as <laughs> she got a camera Wait, there are okay. parts of her that remind me of mark from rent in ways <gasps> that i don't like of just like i'm just gonna make a movie quality doesn't matter to me and let, but i think tibby does a better job it just seems like tibby has like basically i don't know how much of it is by choice and how much of it is out of necessity it's like sort of not clear but she has taken on more responsibility than the other girls in that she's like she doesn't go anywhere she has a job she's taking care of her little sister and she's also ends up sort of taking care of this younger girl bailey Mm -hmm. who i just (laughs) this is a weird like a weird permutation of something that we see 
all the time, which is like a a character with a terminal illness sort of being exploited to have a main character, a main able-bodied, healthy <laughs> character grow as a person. Like Bailey dies so that narratively Amber Tamblin can be like, I understand the world better. Like, mm-hmm. and it's so lame. The normal setup for this, I hate even more, <laughs> which is like a walk to remember, uh, <laughs> fault in our stars. Like, oh, my girlfriend got cancer and died, so I respect women now. Like, <laughs> that love that story, yeah. seen that one, cried at that one. Uh, this is like a different version of it, and it's even like it's it's listed on TV tropes, which is like a website we pull from a lot. But it's called Littlest Cancer Patient. Oh my and goodness! It is. I mean, it shows up in TV sure. a lot too, mm. of just like hospital shows a lot. Yeah, yeah. A, a sick kid who imparts wisdom so the main character can grow, and it sucks because I I think at the beginning Bailey and Tibby have this dynamic that's really cool. And and then it's revealed that she has leukemia. She didn't want to tell Tibby because she thought Tibby would treat her differently. She's correct. Mm-hmm. Tibby does begin to treat her differently. <laughs> but then Bailey starts to act she, differently. Yeah, exactly. So it ends up sort of being like, well, of course Tibby's treating you differently. You're suddenly just speaking in like euphemisms and where she was like this really interesting like dynamic like little combative kid character. A better documentarian than Tibby. Right. Mm. All of a sudden, once we find out she has leukemia, there's that nice scene where Tibby is honest and is like, I don't know if I'll treat you differently. I don't know. Which is like a tricky spot to be in. But sure. then Bailey, Especially when you're 16. But then Bailey does a 180 and, and everything that comes out of her mouth is just like, oh, look at the stars. I, not, I don't know if I'm going to get to, like every yeah, scene she's in, don't know if I'm going to get to see one of these again. <laughs> you're just like, can you stop? Like you I. It just I think the movie or the book or both probably sell that character out in a kind of cheesy, dumb way that ends up like, I don't know, it just like makes it less impactful. And then also that Bailey's death, it's implied, like brings Tibby and Brian <laughs> McBrian, the gas station chode closer. Like, it's like, oh, so Bailey died so that Amber Tamlin could chill out a little bit and maybe date that loser at the gas station <laughs> it's like they're uh, i don't know just a, a cheesy badly written uh storyline for for me yeah i do appreciate <gasps> that that was the one that didn't tie one of the girls to a man but it still isn't handled well because it's of... a different yeah yeah okay and then we've got uh b we've got blake lively brigitte um and her deal is she goes to a soccer camp in Mexico. She's the sporty spice of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, she's athletic. She's good at soccer. She's boy crazy. She lost a parent. Like, they're all, they're all pretty well written out. Even when it's, like, the notes they're hitting are pretty, like, okay, this tends to happen in every teen story. Like, one character doesn't have a mom. One character's a little boy crazy. One character play a sport. Mm-hmm. It's still, I don't know, it it comes together, I think, in at least a, an interesting way. But her character is weird. The The way they handle her story is kind of all over the place where we should just, I mean, we can only address this to an extent, but like... It is probably not 100% legal what is happening between her and this soccer coach. It's in Mexico, baby. It's <laughs> she's, But they say she's 16. 
He's 21. He's also her counselor. It is at very least a fireable offense. Right. If not, I don't know what the laws in 2005 in this location were. But even so, it's like it's and this happens in like I think like trashier teen fair than this. I'm thinking Pretty Little Liars because PLL episode one, (laughs) she is like, I'm like six i'm gonna fuck my teacher and there and then we're rooting for them for years like it's not that level but it is like (laughs) the story excuses him Mm -hmm. because it's like she's i my my feeling and if you feel feel differently let me know but like my feeling is like the story is telling us like well she's coming on so strong and like he couldn't resist where it's like He's a grown person, and he should resist at least in order to keep his job, but whatever. I think that's definitely one of the problems of this storyline. Another one is just how the movie, in narrative in general, handles sex, which is like... So let's try to break this down, because I'm thinking about this in real time. You know, she's established as, like, the boy crazy one. She spots this guy, Eric, and she's like, him. He's going to be... I want the bangs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she goes after him pretty aggressively where she's yeah. finding random excuses to talk to him. She follows him to a cantina and makes him dance with her. There's he... one point in in voiceover she's like, the rules don't apply to when a girl likes a boy. I was like, ooh, this is not a good precedent. <laughs> yeah, she said something like, I'm obsessed and obsessed Yikes. girls can't control themselves or right. something like, like that. Ugh. And it's like, well. Blake. Also, the fact that Blake, like most of the actresses in this movie are old, are like four or five years older than the character they're playing. Mm-hmm. But Blake Lively is actually 16, 17 at the time of filming this, which wow. makes me feel even more uncomfortable with it. Yeah. But whatever. Okay, continue. So she pursues him, and he is reluctant to some degree just because he knows that this shouldn't be happening because he's one of the coaches and the counselors, and she's, you know, at the camp. And that dynamic is, you know, he feels that it's not okay for them to engage in any sort of relationship. But he eventually succumbs, and then it's implied that she loses her virginity to him yes. um, because then she writes a letter to... I think it's Talina who says, like, how is something that's supposed to make you feel so complete? It's leaving me feeling so empty. Wow. And one, I I don't like that they don't explicitly say that she has sex because it's like, okay, if you're going to have a character have sex, then talk about, like, say it. I would guess this is a ratings issue. Mm. Um, That makes sense. But the same thing happens in the book. Where it's like very oh, heavily implied. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, so it is it isn't explicitly stated in the book, right? And I remember Got being it. really angry at the book when I was reading it, being like, "If your characters are old enough to have sex, then talk about it. like right. then explicitly say it, and then have a responsible discussion about it." But right. the aftermath of that is that she feels she kind of sinks into a depression, and she's left with these feelings of emptiness, and it could be because she's still experiencing the grief of. Her mother committing suicide and how she maybe pursued this guy as a way to, like, deal with those feelings of grief. Mm -hmm, Um, And then when that didn't help or fix anything in terms of the grief she was feeling, then she feels empty. I see. But I think there's, like, little parts that I I don't like. But for the most part, although I do agree that if they're going to do the storyline, you have to say that they had sex. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just like, what? What? Why is this movie rated? 
it's PG, I believe. Mm, um, yes. And I think that that probably, and if this movie isn't PG, then like there's no point in even sure. releasing it. Yeah. You know, because it's, yeah. But I don't know. The, the way that it resolved, because I felt like that storyline was resolved I, mostly to my satisfaction, Let's, we'll get to how they treat mental illness and suicide. That's <laughs> almost an entirely separate issue because mm-hmm. that is not done well. Mm-mm. But in terms of how they handle her virginity, I do. I mean, I feel like that is like a fairly common thing for like a teenage girl who loses their virginity to be like, oh, this is built up in my head partially because of like media consumption. Right. Yeah. How people present that to you so that when it does happen and you're like, okay, I did it. And now this, this, and this is supposed to happen. And I'm supposed to feel this way that I've seen in movies. And, and then when that doesn't happen, like that is a confusing feeling. Totally. Yeah. And I, was, I think your feelings are valid or like the aftermath of that. And, you know, this experience of sex, like not meeting her mm-hmm. expectations or, you know, maybe feeling even some shame or whatever attached to that. I think that's yeah. very mm-hmm. normal for, you know, like a teen girl to feel. And then we see uh, the way that comes around. And again, it's like the character that she loses her virginity to is so underwritten. And we literally know nothing about him other than he is her soccer coach and shouldn't be having sex with her. Mm -hmm. Um, He loves the endorphins that come with soccer. Yeah, the endorphins (laughs) ruled. You're like, Eric, wow, Eric, really really a keeper, this Eric. But... Eric comes back at the end to, I guess, apologize or he sort of comes back to make sure she's okay was my interpretation Mm -hmm. and like do that thing that sometimes men will do of like, hey, I don't know if I have anything to apologize for, but if I do, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, okay. (laughs) And if I don't? (laughs) And if I don't, then I guess I'll just go home. (laughs) You're like... Great. Really sincere. Seems like you've really <laughs> thought this way the fuck out. But, uh, you know, he comes back to, to check in with her. Sure. And I thought I liked how she, she dealt with it where she had, and again, we'll get to the conversation that they actually have, but she had talked about it with her close friends. She'd sought outside perspective. She'd asked for help. She'd thought about it and sort of come to the conclusion that like, yeah, like losing your virginity and having sex with someone is not going to fix problems. And she sort of, by the end, from what I could tell, had recognized and made peace with that. I like that the the story doesn't force stuff the way it does with Lena's character of like, maybe there's like a future for us that's not implied at all she's just like nope have a nice year at yeah. school like there's no <laughs> implication that she i guess what impressed she me wants most, to get it over with right like there was just like the implication with that her that character for me was like okay there's a way that like you can have sex as a woman and not be like madly in love with the person you're having sex with that's something that's not presented very often in movies and especially not with like young women true yeah so i thought that i i I don't know i i liked how that storyline resolved right i think what bothers me about the way that like sex is handled in this movie is that because that's pretty much the only representation we see of a woman having a sexual experience with someone and then the aftermath we see of that is like oh well then you feel empty and you feel depressed and then And I think we, as the audience, can glean that it's because she hasn't properly dealt with her mom's suicide. But I don't know if the movie connects those two things where, like, 
she has sex because she's trying to fill a void and the emptiness she feels is actually because of her mom's suicide and not necessarily because of the sex she had. I think that because there's a lot of like stuff conflated there and this is the only representation we see on screen of a woman having a sexual experience. I'm worried that like young girls will see this and be like, Oh, well no, like losing your virginity is a bad thing that makes you feel really bad and comes with a lot of shame. And like, I don't know, maybe she doesn't really have shame by the end. That's That's true. That's why I felt okay about it was like, you see her. Cause again, that seemed, that's another to mm-hmm. my experience, like a, a realistic part of that experience is like feeling shitty about it and like questioning it and like, what do I do? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And at least, I don't know, she seems comfortable with herself and with her decision by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I feel okay about it. Yeah, did that's the true. Great girl, did she have sex? No. no. Lena? No, she See, just. That's kissed. what it needed. If it, if it had <laughs> like one girl that was like, it was the best thing. Ever and then also had like oh, weird ones so that kids can see like the two yeah, yeah. there's different. a spectrum yeah. but then also that would have been problem of sexual experience <laughs> right that would have been problematic too because Costas was older than her he was also like a college student Why and she was sixteen <laughs> not Brian McBrian Brian McBrian age appropriate shorty no I have no idea how old he was he was probably 27 (laughs) he was probably the oldest of them all he was probably like oh yeah I have a couple of kids I should be feeding Um, (laughs) well I liked what was going on with the soccer girl because she does say like I just thought if I would act happy that you know I think she's encoded rated PG language saying I was trying to be like slutty and flirty and fun and brave and no shame that I was forcing that because I thought it made it made her numb or something or like whatever my mom died it's fine right like forcing yourself through the grief process instead of dealing with the emotions which it seems like yeah by the end it's like that is definitely not resolved but seems like she at least understands that that's like work she has to do Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't like the mental illness and suicide thing is a nut. There's a very, very dated take. Right. Where Bridget's mother committed suicide. The way it's spoken about in the scene, the very expository scene at her funeral <laughs> is very shamey and weird where it's mm. just like, we'll never know why she did this terrible thing. It's like, okay, her family right there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> priest, turn it down to a six. But <laughs> but anyways, like Bridget is like worried that she's going to become mm. like depressive like her mother and that she will be susceptible to the same feelings. I think that was a cool thing to mm-hmm. express as like a concern, but the way her friends respond to it is very strange of like I think Carmen's character is like you're stronger than your mom and I was like <sighs> yeah. No, she says say Carmen that. says what are you Carmen? You have a strength in you that your mother never had, which Ew. is implying like that oh because your mean. mother suffered from <laughs> mental illness, she wasn't she was strong <laughs> and she just didn't want to live enough to fight for her life and it's like well that's just not she at all weak. what mental that illness is. Mean. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. just a mean thing to say to yeah. your friend. I mean she didn't really deserve to live cuz she wasn't strong enough. So when you think about it right it's just and it's like it's presented in this way that it's like i 
they're trying to help, but it's mm. not the right message to be sending. Which is realistic, though. For 16-year-olds. Yeah. yeah, but in this this example, I, sure, I sure, feel sure. like they have it's to the deal movie. with it right. They right. have yeah. to deal with it right so that teenage girls seeing the movie have a template of how to deal with a situation like mm-hmm. this in a way that is not bad. Because the way Bridget's character responds is like, okay. And then you're just like, no. Now yeah. she thinks that her mom was like... This whole movie deals with death in a very strange way, whether it's Bailey's death or Bridget's mom's death. It's all a little bit off the way that they deal with it. Yeah, there's, I mean, between that and the way the movie deals with sex and the way the movie fails to deal with race, I do think that it does a decent job of dealing with, like, body image. Like, that's the one thing that it touches on and sort of gets right. Yeah. But... Yeah, there's a lot of things that it mishandles. I did Which feel it like was 2005, it was, um, so. Yeah, it is very dated. Done okay for the time that, like, America Ferreira, her character, acknowledged struggles of being a Latina. Um, whereas I feel like a lot of movies are just, like, quote unquote, colorblind. Like, the cast is and of different colors, yeah. but they're all just, like,. Yeah, I mean, we live in a world where we don't see race. Kind of like going back to what you were saying earlier, Caitlin, of like if we pit this movie against other like groups of teenage girl movies, I think this movie does very well. Where like if we're pitting it against the craft, which we bring up a lot (laughs) of like the one woman of color in that movie is like, we just don't really see that from her at all. Like they're (laughs) just like, we don't know how to write a character that's not white, so we're just not going to. Right. At least, you know, for this movie's shortcomings, yeah, the, the fact that Carmen is vocal and, like, that's explored and... Yeah, it's we can not, talk about this and it's fine. I don't love that the end of her narrative is like, and now I love my dad's white family. Yeah, you can it's hate like, your dad. That's that is stupid. Yeah, it's like, it's cool to hate your dad. It seems it like really he kind of actually really, <laughs> really shafted you. I feel like, yeah, I f- well, the, so the movie was based on a novel written by... And Brosh Ayers. Bra- Mrs. Brosh um, A white woman. Screenplay written by Elizabeth Chandler and Delia Efron, which is Nora Efron's sister. Oh, wow. Um, two white women. Directed by Ken Quapi... Quapi... Whatever. You can oh, I know look him. it up. <laughs> Who is a white dude. So I think that it could have handled a discussion about race a little more responsibly than it did but because a lot of the major players of this movie are white people uh it doesn't go as far as it could have York. yeah so shall we discuss whether mo- not the movie passes the Bechdel test it does for sure 100 percent. a lot of different times uh, a lot of different female characters who all talk to each other sometimes they do talk about men either like Carmen's dad or Eric the soccer coach or Costa's mm-hmm. but Largely, they are talking about pants, number one, Mm -hmm. um, documentary filmmaking, soccer, all kinds of stuff. And the number of, like, character combos it passes with is is pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Carmen and her mom, Tibby and Bailey. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, all kinds of combos. Hot combos. Mm. Um, It passes the Mary Houlihan test, which is where a movie has has to have several scenes where women talk about pants with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do come up on this a lot where often we find that if a movie does pass the Bechdel test, 
the women are either talking about clothing or food. This happens a lot. That is true. What else are you going to talk about? There's nothing else. Uh, no, Jamie, no. Um, I love your shirt. And your um, <laughs> and I love the way you make uh, pa- pasta. Man, it's too bad because all my clothes look bad and I can't cook. So I, I just mostly don't speak. <laughs> it's just, I have no option. There's it's nothing smart. else for me to talk about. Yeah, I just oh, go full Hello Kitty. I say I don't say Ooh. a damn thing. Keep my damn mouth shut. Sometimes they talk about cancer. They also talk about illness Leukemia. a lot. Leukemia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Let's rate it on our nipple scale, where we rate the movie based on its portrayal of women on a scale of zero to five nipples, five Mm. being the best. I'm going to give it three and a half, because this movie's existence in the world, I think, is net positive um, for the audience it's reaching. It's really nice to see a movie about girls of this age who are in a friendship with each other and who don't turn on each other they are all extremely supportive and and very different and very different and fairly well written and well developed although we do see some sort of tropey characters and that we were able to pretty much closely align them with all of the sex in the city characters (laughs) and you know any other group of foursome we could figure out you know which one is which Ninja Turtle or whatever. So, but even so they are distinguishable enough that um, we can easily identify them and their characters, which says a lot for um, a female character in a movie because usually they're hard to describe because they're so underwritten that you just simply can't do that. Yes. Um, So that's nice. And it's a depiction of female friendship, which is really positive and supportive. I don't especially care for the fact that three of the four storylines do center around one of the girls' relationship to a man. Totally. Because I think, you know, why not one of the girls have a relation, like an issue with her mother or another female family member? Why not another friendship with another woman? Something like that. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that half of them are romantic and then one of the other ones is about... um, a difficult relationship with their father. I just like there were opportunities to have other types of stories and or relationships that just uh, did not actually get explored in this movie. Two but, boyfriends, one daddy and a cancer patient, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, so not great. And as we discussed, it mishandles several different things. It could be more sex positive. It could handle a discussion of race more responsibly. It could do the same thing for mental illness. But overall, I think that for the time, for the audience this movie is reaching, I think it's generally pretty well done and positive. So three and a half nipples. And in the interest of not giving any nipples away to teenage girls, because that feels wrong. Um, They're women now. You can give it to them today. Today. Okay. America Ferreira today in 2018 I give all three and a half of my nipples to her okay she is spares <laughs> I love it when we give away nipples like spare tires um I'm gonna I I'm good with a three and a half as well yeah there's there's a, definitely a few topics this movie tackles in a dated way mm-hmm. um I do wish that they would just outright say that sex happened mm-hmm. uh it was confusing that they didn't but other than that yeah I think that this is Especially for this time, pretty much as good as it gets in terms of in movies. I think there there were some TV shows that did it well, and uh, some of the TV shows uh, this cast are like in that deal with it very well. Mm-hmm. Not Gossip Girl though, that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. I don't like cancer kid tropes. I don't like mishandling of depression. Uh, but I, I do like most of what happens in this movie. I think mm-hmm. it's good. I got three and a half nipples. I'm going to give... Oh, also I wanted to say that the director, male director of this movie also directed a really bad, really real stinky. Uh, he also directed He's Just Not That Into You, which is... <gasps> We should do that movie the on the podcast because I have a lot to say. Director wow. Ken Quapis exists on a spectrum of good to bad. <laughs> Any, anyways, also, and this like was clickbait that made me well up last night. They're all still friends today. Oh they hung out recently because America Ferrera is pregnant, and now all four <gasps> of them are going to be mothers. And there's a lot of cute Instagram posts, and I highly recommend that you That's check so them nice. out. I love that they're still friends. Do you think that all of their third movie. kids are going to be friends yes, and I do. have a sisterhood of traveling pants? I that would be so funny if their moms were like, "You should all share a pair of pants," and they'd be like, "No, what is this?" Um, but I love that they're all still friends. My three nips, uh, I'll give one to America, one to Amber, one to Blake, and Alexis only gets a half. Sorry. (laughs) Mary, what would you rate this movie? I give it three nips. Cool. Who are you giving your nips to? Myself. Whoa. She's empowered. Mm -hmm. Good job. She's taking them back. (laughs) Take back the nips. Cool. So, Mary, where can we find you on social meets? At Mary Hooley, M-A-R-Y-H-O-U-L-I-E. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. So look at those. Cool. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on website, on other places, all at Cast. And we are now on the How Stuff Works Network, but that doesn't mean that you can't still join our Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. Five bucks a month gets you two extra exclusive episodes. Oh, wow. And they're good. And they're and they're good. <laughs> they're all yeah. recorded in Caitlin's bed. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of intimate as well. Yeah. They're a little bit like they're a little rough around the edges. We talk straight. We I feel like we swear more. It gets mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, so sign up for the Patreon. I'm on Twitter at Jamie Loftus Help. And I'm at Caitlin Durante. And I guess we'll just talk to you fucking next time, guys. Hey, Jamie, can I borrow your pair of pants that also fit me perfectly? Yes, I hope you don't mind. Go. Oh, yeah. What are the parameters on going commando in these pants? No oh. rules. Yeah. No rules. Well, Make a third movie and we'll find out. We'll find out. All right. Bye. Bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.